Welcome back to another exciting episode of Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. I'm your host, Chappie, and let's get started. All right. I start this episode with the question, did giants really run around on planet Earth? Well, it's a good question. We think back to biblical stories such as David and Goliath, and we're thinking, sure, that just mentions a giant. There's obviously historical accounts of people, you know, who were giants in our time, not talking about the medieval or mythical giants, but let's jump into some of the lore and see what we can find today. All right. My first one is going to be from the American Museum of Natural History on Greek giants. Keep in mind, this is part of the Mythic Creatures exhibit. Greek historian Solanus, circa AD 200, said, Before there were any humans on Pallene, the story goes that a battle was fought between gods and the giants. Traces of the giant's demise continue to be seen to this day. Whenever torrents swell with rain and excessive water breaks their banks and floods the fields, they say that even now in gullies and ravines, the people discover bones of immeasurable enormity, like men's carcasses, but far bigger. Gigantic Bones The ancient Greeks told stories of giants describing them as flesh-and-blood creatures who lived and died, and whose bones could be found coming out of the ground when they were buried long ago. Indeed, even today, large and surprisingly human-like bones can be found in Greece. Modern scientists understand such bones to be the remains of mammoths, mastodons, and woolly rhinoceroses that once lived in the region. But ancient Greeks were largely unfamiliar with these massive animals, and many believe that the enormous bones they found were the remains of giant-like humans. Any non-human traits in the bones were thought to be due to grotesque anatomical features of giants. At a glance, from Paul Bunyan of American folklore to Norse creator god Ymir, human-like giants populate the myths of many cultures. The long bones of elephants, elephant relatives, and humans are similar enough to be confused. Geological events tend to destroy the skulls of prehistoric elephant relatives, leaving only enormous human-like long bones, ribs, and vertebrae. Ancient authors often reported finding the remains of giants, hundreds of feet tall, much bigger than any elephant or other animal. These reports may represent attempts to reconstruct the bones of several animals found jumbled together in a single giant. The Battle with the Gods According to Greek myth, the giants were the children of Uranus, the sky, and Gia, the earth, but were also never born. Afraid the giants would be too powerful, Uranus would not allow them to be born, imprisoning them in Gia's womb. Uncomfortable, Gia convinced her older son, Kronos, to attack Uranus, 
He did, and the blood that spilled on Gia released the giants from their prison. Kronos took power, but was soon overthrown by the god Zeus. And the giants were enraged by the defeat of their savior and brother, and they took up trees as clubs and boulders as missiles, waging war on Zeus and the other Greek gods in an epic battle, the Gigantomachy. But the giants were ultimately defeated and buried under mountains, where their tormented shivers were said to cause earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. Seeing is believing. The people of Tingis, modern-day Tangier, Morocco, once boasted that their city's founder was a giant named Antaeus, who was buried in the mount south of town. To test the claim, Roman soldiers dug into the mound in 81 BC. Much to their surprise, an enormous skeleton surfaced, which they then reburied with great honors. Modern scientists confirm that ancient elephant fossils are common in that area. A Giant's Bridge? The spectacular Giant's Causeway on the northeast coast of Ireland consists of about 40,000 interlocking columns of basalt rock. According to Irish myth, the Irish giant Finn McCool built the causeway so he could walk to Scotland to fight the Scottish giant Benendonner. Formations like this one are typically the results of volcanic activity. Some 65 million years ago, lava flowed over the area. As the lava cooled, it contracted, fracturing into columns seen today. Cyclops On his way home from the Trojan War, the brave adventurer Odysseus and his crew landed in this island of Sicily. Happy to find food in a cave, they gorged themselves until the cave's occupant, a ferocious cyclops named Polyphemus, returned home and began to eat the men one by one. He soon asked Odysseus his name, and he replied, My name is Nobody. That evening, Odysseus and his men planned their escape. First, they drove a stake into his one eye, screaming in pain. He called his brother Cyclops. Cyclops? Help, nobody is hurting me. Confused, they ignored the cries, and he lost his only eye. In the morning, he led his sheep out to graze after feeling along the animal's back to make sure the men weren't riding on top. But Odysseus and his crew had tied themselves under the sheep's bellies, so they slipped by unnoticed by the blinded Cyclops. That was adapted from Homer's Odyssey circa 800 to 600 BC. Eyeing the evidence. The one-eyed giant called Cyclopes of Greek myths are usually said to live on the island of Sicily in the Mediterranean Sea. Significantly, the island was once home to an ancient elephant whose enormous fossilized skulls and bones can still be found today, eroding out of cliffs and hillsides. As far back as the 1370s, scholars have suggested that when the first inhabitants of the island encountered elephant skulls, they might have mistaken the large central hole where the trunk was attached for an enormous eye socket of a cyclops. All right. That's all from that article. Kind of tells us some lore.
Discover Magazine. Did giants ever exist? The question isn't as crazy as it sounds. By Nathaniel Sharping. The giants of myth and legend have no basis in reality. Human-like beings who grow to 20 feet or more are the stuff of fiction. Even far in the past, there's no evidence of hominins ever much taller than we are today. Some remarkable exceptions among Homo sapiens have existed, but they are most often the results of hormonal disorders. Such conditions occur when the body produces excess growth hormone throughout life. Those who suffer from these disorders, as was the case for the world's tallest man ever measured, Robert Wadlow, continued to grow for years. Wadlow stood 8 feet 11 inches tall, making him a veritable giant to most of us. But his stature came at a cost. Wadlow reported he had little sensation in his feet and died of an infected blister in early 20s. Other abnormally, abnormally tall individuals can also suffer from issues related to either to their height or to the condition that led them to grow so tall. There are a few signs that ancient humans ever grew taller than we do. While anthropologist Lee Berger once claimed that some members of a species of archaic hominin grew to over seven feet tall, there's little evidence that that's true. If anything, ancient humans were shorter than we were. Neanderthals stood on average several inches shorter than us. To find true giants, we must journey back even further to our primate ancestors. The giant ape species may have stood up to 10 feet tall and died out just a few hundred year, hundred thousand years ago, meaning our evolutionary cousins existed alongside them. They may have been the closest thing that ever existed to mythical Bigfoots and Sasquatches, but today there's no giants to speak of. All right. So we've got two for... We've got two for no so far. We go to Desert Sun, article by Bruce Fessier. Did 14-foot giants exist? Did they differ from humans? Author explores these ancient beings. Everyone knows the first line of the English fairy tale, fee-fi-fo-fum. But how many know the rest of the verse, which gets a little dark? I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. What kind of bedtime story is that? Actually, it derives from the early 18th century tale of Jack and the cannibalistic giant called Jack the, Killer, the Giant Killer. The origins of that can be traced through oral histories to prehistoric England, where giants may have roamed not just the UK, but the Earth. The 16th century scribe Raphael Hollinshed wrote Chronicles of England, Scotland, and Ireland, that Britain's oldest acknowledged name was taken from a prehistoric king named Albion, who ruled a race of giants that dominated the UK for hundreds, possibly thousands of years BC. The Bible 
is filled with stories of Middle Eastern giants, including the Nephilim tribe that spawned the Amorites, Emim, Anakim, who the Sumerians called the Anunnaki. Marco Polo wrote of encountering giants in Zanzibar who were so strong they can carry as many as four ordinary men. Mid-20th century journalist Glenn Kittler said of the Watusi tribe east of the Congo, men towering seven or eight feet are a common sight. Reputable accounts of giants come from all over the world, says Hugh Newman, co-author with Jim Vieira of Giants on Record, America's Hidden History, Secrets in the Mounds, and Smithsonian Files. An extinct, generally distinct subspecies of Homo sapiens was discovered just a decade ago in a Denisova cave in Siberia. Called the Denisovans, they lived from 50,000 to 300,000 years ago and are known to be very, very tall, says Newman, and their descendants could have wandered as far west as North America. Newman, who is described on ancientorigins.net as a world explorer, megalithomaniac, and author, will talk about the Nephilim, the Denisovians, and giants in general, Friday in a lecture titled Giantology, Science, Scientific Evidence for a Worldwide Culture of Giants in Prehistory, at the annual Contact in the Desert conference in Indian Wells. The conference runs May 30th to June 3rd with field trips, talks, workshops on UFOs, ancient aliens, forbidden archaeology, and more. He gave that long and short of giantology in a recent telephone interview from England. The Sun. So when did giants roam the earth? Newman. We're looking at different eras, really. In North America, we've got dating that goes back to around 10,000 years, right up to the 1900s when giants have been witnessed. It's quite a large range, but generally it's anywhere from about 1000 BC to around 900 AD. How tall are we talking? Anywhere between seven foot, that's the lower limit of what we call a giant. We have one account of up to 18 feet, but we don't think that's for real probably about 14 foot. Would you call the giants a different species of Homo sapiens? In other words, if you did a 23andMe test of DNA, could you find evidence of giants that could distinguish them from other ancestors? No, not really. There's one piece of evidence we get. We have elements of up to 3 or 4% of Denisovan DNA within some tribes in northeastern areas of North America, some of the Algonquin-speaking tribes, so it's thought that maybe these tall ancestors came to Americas a very long time ago. So you're saying the giants weren't different from ancient humans, just taller? I believe so, yeah. And we don't really know because we can't get access to many bones or DNA because of the NAGPRA Act, the Native American Grave Protection Rep Repatriation Act. 
requiring institutions that receive federal funding to return Native American cultural items to their descendants. Since 1990, it's been almost impossible to gain access to do anything to do tests. It's one of the reasons we call the book Giants on Record, because we had to use the records as the evidence rather than the bones. Even though we have many, many academics who actually dug them up and reported them. I personally don't think they're alien-human hybrids or anything like that, but if you look into the legends and oral traditions of the Native Americans, you'll find accounts of them interbreeding with the star people, the people from the sky. There are stories within some of the same tribes that end up being giants, so it is quite strange. Where did most of the giants roam this continent? Most of the accounts in North America have to do with the mound culture, in which North American communities of over 5,000 year period built earthen mounds for ceremonial and elite residential purposes, based around the Ohio Valley, down the Mississippi River, and splitting into different parts of the country. Whether they're the Aidness, who are the earliest, or the Hopewell, or the Fort Ancient, we have mound cultures going back to 4,000 BC, and we have very early evidence of giants in the southwest that have nothing to do with the mounds. We have red-haired mummies found in Lovelock Cave in Nevada, discovered in 1911 and corresponding to the Paiute oral history about a tribe of giant cannibals. Also down that way, you have Spirit Cave Mummy, discovered in 1940 east of Fallon, Nevada, and linked by DNA to the Fallon Paiute Shoshone tribe, which is known to be 9,000 or 10,000 years old. So perhaps these skeletons are that old. Ross Hamilton, who we call the grandfather of giantology, was in touch with Vin Deloria Jr., a Native American scholar and activist. Vin Deloria Jr. had access to all these elders who shared their stories going far back, 12,000 to 13,000 years ago. There are stories of mammoths hanging out with these giant humans. In fact, one of the stories we feature from Vin is that they herd mammoths like we herd cattle. So there's a guy who I believe found evidence of giants in Peru, Brian Foster, giving a workshop on Peruvian elongated skull people, human subspecies or hybrids. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes, they found these giant long skulls, but they're not giants. I've seen them. They're standard sized humans, but their skulls are very long. It's mainly cranial deformation. We have accounts of actual giants being found in South America as well. There are stories of the Anunnaki in Southern Africa. They were supposed to be giants too, right? The Anunnaki actually come from the area of the Bible lands. So you're talking about biblical traditions. There were also there also were the Watchers, described in the book of Enoch as angels who lived among humans before the flood. And they were said to be giants. They later gave birth with human females to the Nephilim, who were the well-known giants. A lot of people talk about Genesis 6-4. 
There's not too much evidence of them in South Africa. They may have gone down to South Africa to mine for gold or minerals, and there's evidence down there of giant human beings. The interesting thing about that area is that we have a tribe of humans that goes back at least 200,000 years called Homo heidelbergensis. These were known to be routinely over seven feet tall. And this was reported by Professor Lee Berger. Also, there was a gentleman named Professor Francis Thackeray who had a fossilized bone that was found in South Africa from someone who was twice the height of a human being. They are early ancestors of the Denisovans, who have emerged more recently from the Altai Mountains or Denisova Cave in Siberia. This is really big news at the moment. They found these thick skull fragments and large finger bones and very advanced bracelets, jewelry, technology, at least 40,000 years old. The suggestion is they spread from Denisovans to North America and other places. So there's a sequence here. You must have a million questions about giants. What do you want to learn most? Well, there are a couple of things. One is why is there, why is this important chapter in human history being completely and utterly covered up? The other question is, if you look around the world, there's always a connection between megalithic construction mound culture type sites and the giants and was part of their traditions building these sites if you go back to the time of the bible and the anunnaki and the watchers and the nephilim we have stories that recount that there were obsessive megalith builders and stonemasons and metallurgists there's also much mythology about this subject in folklore and oral traditions, and now there's evidence actually emerging that this is actually genuinely a thing. We have 1,500 newspaper accounts in North America of giant bones and skeletons being unearthed. We have 17 accounts of 7 to 8 foot giants in the Smithsonian's own scientific annual report. The Maryland Academy of Science is talking about 9 foot giants. We have universities in Texas finding 36-inch circumference skulls and so on. There's too much data to ignore that this is reality, and the people who try to tell us that this is all sensational newspaper stories and exaggerated measurements are completely wrong. It seems like giants are always associated with the bad guys. How did this happen? Was it because of Goliath? It could be, but also there's a lot of British stories. Gog Magog, Last of the Albion Giants, and Jack the Giant Slayer talk about these man-eating cannibalistic giants. You also have cannibalism linked to giants in tons of myths in North America. There were Native American tribes who had to protect themselves from these marauding, cannibalistic, savage giant tribes. How did these tribes of giants die out? They just got bred out of existence, I think. I don't really know why or how. In North America, the people that lived on that continent before the Europeans arrived were decimated by smallpox, interbreeding, and lifestyle changes. You must, have, you must get a lot of skepticism about this. How do you deal with skeptic people? We don't worry about them too much. They always say, where are the bones? We say, the academics took them away. I suggest they go talk to the Smithsonian.
All right, very cool article. Let's take a break. All right, going over to the National Center for Science Education, Creation Evolution Journal. It ain't necessarily so. Giants and Biblical Literalism. In our culture, giants belong to the realm of St. George's Dragon or other folklore. Belief in giants as flesh and blood rather than myth can be traced to pre-scientific tradition. The Greeks had Prometheus, for example, and Gia and the Titans. The Scandinavians' first being was the giant Ymir, whose body parts became the earth when he was slain by Odin and his brothers. A similar story to the Hindu's account of the goddess Kali. Mythic and distant, giants are easy to comprehend as normal people, drawn large. From ancient mythology to Gulliver's travels and the attack of the 50-foot woman, giants are conceived as the outsized but normally proportioned humans. In reality, however, anatomical size variation follows biological and physical laws of scaling rather than the rules of photographic enlargement. The attack of the 50-foot woman should have been actually consisted of her collapsing upon her own shattered feet and legs. But if such creatures are anatomically impossible, they're very much a part of folk beliefs around the world. We can enjoy their feats or comprehend them, their symbolic lessons or meanings without taking seriously the biological problems of their mere existence because we all know they really are make-believe or at least most of us familiar with the scientific tradition know this. Scientific creationists, however, find ancient, normally proportioned giants acceptable and have even made a crucial aspect of their case against evolution. As a result, some creationists spend a great deal of time looking for giant tracks in the ground and in the Bible. While most creationists do not claim that all of the supposed human contemporaries of dinosaurs were giants, they do use the huge size of some of their alleged human footprints as scientific proof and inerrancy of scripture. Since one can accept the laws of physical scale and still be an anti-evolutionist, it is curious that scientific creationists build so much of their current argument around the existence of superior human giants. An extremely literal approach to the Bible might well insist that Adam and Eve had to be normal, fully modern humans. In fact, it would seem to require a substantial evolutionary change to convert a 10 or 16 foot Adam into a species less than half that tall, as some creationists claim. They unwittingly write that evolution he calls it degeneration, has taken place since the days of Eden, when everything was bigger and better than it is today. People convinced that humans and dinosaurs coexisted because the Bible implies they did have already made up their minds, whatever the evidence. There are biblical references to giants, especially the most popular fundamental versions of the Bible. The first century historian, Flavius Josephus, mentions them. We have discussed material evidence elsewhere, but the literary evidence also needs to be examined. So what does the Bible say? 
He cites several biblical references to giants. Genesis 6-4, there were giants in the earth in those days. Joshua 18-16, the valley of the giants on the north. Also Joshua 15-8. 1 Samuel 17-4 tells the story of David and Goliath. Deuteronomy 3.11 refers to King Og's bed as nine cubits up to 14 feet. Job 40.15, Behold now behemoth, which I made with thee. He claims that behemoth refers to the brontosaurus, and the Bible Science Newsletter claims that the reference is to dinosaurs at least. Examine closely these passages are a bit different from what the creationists imply, and there are additional biblical references to giants which can simply similarly be analyzed. King Ob's bed size can probably be ignored, but what about the other references? Translations as well as interpretations of meaning differ. In the preface to this history, Flavius Josephus notes that the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, was written enigmatically, allegorically, and philosophically. He saw Genesis as a repository of deeper meanings, not simply a historical primer. Beyond the cloisters of slavish literalism, most biblical scholars today agree. Giant is common, but not universal English, rendering of several different Hebrew words as unger notes. They include Nephilim, literally the fallen ones, Rephaim are ghosts as well as aborigines of Canaan and other areas. Anakim, the sons of Anak, are classed with the Rephaim because of their size. Goliath was a relic of the Anakim. Amim inhabited, inhabited Moabite land and were as tall as the Anakim. Deuteronomy 2.11 Zamzumin were giants in the land of Ammon. Deuteronomy 2.20. These and perhaps other references can be added to Burlord's catalog, but even without a closer look, it can be seen that English word giant does not seem to be an adequate translation. We at least need giant type 1, 2, 3, 4, etc. Each of those references can easily be interpreted metaphorically, for example, David's battle with Goliath represents a weak-looking but valiant early Israel confronting seemingly stronger neighbors and triumphing against all odds. Indeed, the literal Goliath seems less interesting, less evocative of a powerful image and tradition. The diminution of David's symbolic accomplishments, Jack the Giant Killer, is a motive common to many mythic histories and folktales, not evidence of one historic event. The book of Joshua describes the boundaries of the area inhabited by the Judeans. The Anchor Bible translate Joshua 15.8 as, The boundary went up the valley of Ben-Hinnom in the Jebusite Ridge, or Jerusalem, from the south. The boundary went up to the top of the mountain opposite the Hinnom Valley at the west and at the north end of the Rephaim Valley. Why is this of any interest? Because the Interpreter's Bible, for example, translate this last clause to read, 
which is at the end of the Valley of Giants northward. Joshua 18.16 repeats this description with the same alternate translations. Were Rephaim, were Rephaim actually giants? This region is one of the best explored on Earth by archaeologists. And no outsized human skeleton has ever been found. There's no reason to think the natives were gigantic than there is to claim that San Francisco Giants baseball team consists of gargantuans. Genesis 6-4 in the revised Berkeley version of the Bible reads, There were giants on the earth in those days, and later when the sons of God used to cohabit the daughters of man who bore them children, those mighty men of old who made a name, the same as the same passage in the Anchor Bible reads, It was then that Nephilim appeared on earth, as well as later, after the divine beings had united with human daughters, those were the heroes of old, men of renown. Spicer writes that this is a fragment of an older Hittite myth about battling gods who mate with humans. He writes that it may have been included in Genesis, a bit out of context, to suggest the kind of vile conditions the coming flood would be sent to eradicate. Unger gives a similar interpretation. The Nephilim acts considered by many as the giant demigods, the unnatural offspring of the daughters of men in cohabitation with the sons of God. This utterly unnatural union violated God's created order of being with such a shocking abnormality as to necessitate a worldwide judgment of the flood. Nephilim also appears in Numbers 13.33, where scouts sent ahead report, returned to report pessimistically that the Israelites should not march into new territory that Caleb wanted them to conquer. We saw there were the Nephilim, the descendants of the Anak, who were the giants. Even to ourselves, we look like grasshoppers, so we look to them. This is obviously the metaphor, an exaggeration of people afraid of the prospect of attacking a powerful foe. The Interpreter's Bible matter-of-factly discusses the mythic nature of giants and notes that while some spies reported finding giants, others did not. And the Israelites went on to conquer the territory without encountering any. Although Josephus reports differently that there was a race of giants whose bones are still shown to this very day, he elaborates on the undependably, undependability of the spies' reports, saying that they were terrified by the obstacles to capture the land of Canaan. The rivers were so large and deep that they could not be passed over, and that the hills were so high that they could not travel along them, that the cities were strong within walls and their firm fortifications round them. They told them also that they found at Hebron the posterity of giants. They were affrighted at the Canaanite strengths and endeavored to affright the multitude also. Caleb and Joshua had been there too, and they advised people not to be taken in by frightened lies. The invasion was carried out successfully. Also, the frightened spies who brought back tales of giants were stricken dead by God for lying. Numbers 14, 37, and 38. Job 40.15 is cited on the plaque 
of the McFall site as an apparent reference to the giant tracker dubbed Humanus Bonthropus. The Anchor Bible passage reads, Behold now behemoth, which I will made as well. Grass he eats like an ox. Behemoth is usually translated as hippopotamus and traced to Egyptian linguistic roots. It is never translated as giant human or brontosaurus or dragon, as some creationists claim. The reference to behemoth in Job is simply God reaffirming to Job that he created all things. Giant stories in the Bible serve various functions, but giants never equated with Adam and Eve or other heroes. They are always hated, feared, abnormal, foreign, and perhaps envied, not the scions of the golden age. This is particularly obvious in Joshua 13, 12, where a remnant of the giants are mentioned. For these did Moses smite and cast them out. The Gideon's International King James Version, monsters and boogeymen beyond the horizons are nearly universal human myth, born of fear or ignorance of the unknown, instruments of social control reinforcing cultural solidarity, the clearest biblical references to giants fit this broad cross-cultural pattern. Many historical details in the Bible can be confirmed by archaeology, but if some things can be confirmed, it stands to reason that some things may be falsified by material evidence. Creationists who accept the challenge to confirm their Bible scientifically would seem to leave open the possibility that the Bible can be proven wrong something other creationists would call a materialist debasing of faith, that no human giant bones or tracks have ever been found in the Middle East is not proof that they are not there, awaiting discovery, but such a test is not crucial to most believers. Scientific creationists do not accept the possibility of a negative evidence, and thus they do not really espouse a scientific creationism, because of their reasoning starts from the premise that the Bible is accurate, in every historical and scientific detail. All right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's go over to Peabody Andover Education. They have an article called The Horned Giants of Pennsylvania, contributed by Emily Hurley. One day, while I was working in the basement of the Peabody, plugging away at inventory drawers, I was listening to a podcast called Astonishing Legends. It was an episode titled The Tall Ones, exploring the legends and lore surrounding giants around the world. It came as a surprise when I heard the host say that the name W.K. Moorhead. My ears instantly pricked up. 
The podcast host went on to cite a New York Times article written July 14, 1916, and under the headline, Find Horned Men's Skulls, Remarkable Discovery by Archaeologists in the Susquehanna Valley. The short article stated that the Professor A.B. Skinner of the American Indian Museum, Reverend George Donahue, Pennsylvania State historian and Professor W.K. Moorhead of the Phillips Andover Academy uncovered a burial mound at the Murray Farm site while conducting search at Tioga Point in the Susquehanna Valley. In the mound, they uncovered the remains of 68 men believed to have been buried around the year 1200 AD. According to the article, the average height of these men was 7 feet which many being even taller. Also found with the remains were very large stone celts and axes, further evidence of the gigantic men's gigantic size. Perhaps most interesting of all, some of the skulls had two-inch bone protuberance on their head. Well, that was something to explore. Looking through historical texts and documents, it is clear that giants have been a topic of interest for centuries. Not only are they mentioned in the biblical story of David and Goliath, and fairy tales such as Jack and the Beanstalk and the legend of Paul Bunyan, one pervasive theory about giants is they are actually Nephilim, also from the Bible, an offspring of angel and a human. Even some historical figures such as Gilgamesh are thought to have been giants. Many newspaper articles from across the country in the 19th and early 20th century claim to have found giant skeletons. Some accounts even call them a lost race of giant people, but many others hypothesized they were giant Native Americans. An eight-foot-tall Native American skeleton was said to be found in Tawanda, Pennsylvania in 1822. A headline for the World Newspaper on October 6, 1895 read, biggest giant ever known, nine feet high, and probably a prehistoric Californian Indian. Some, like the Cardiff giant, which was actually buried stone statue, was proven to be a hoax. Yet the stories still remain popular. Even Captain John Smith, in his account of meeting the Sioux in 1608, described them as giant-like. But were they really giants roaming this land before us, or horn giants for that matter? After some further digging, it was discovered that the horn giants found by Moorhead and others at Murray Farm were not horned at all, nor were they giants. Professor Skinner wrote a corrected article for the New York Times, but it was not publicized as the original, so it was harder to find. Apparently, while excavating the site, a workman shouted, there are horns over his head. After discovering a bundle burial which had been covered with deer antlers, an excited visitor or reporter at the site heard this and asked another workman who decided to play a joke and claimed the skeletons had horns growing out of their heads. Another version says that a disgruntled camp cook made up the story. This explains the story about the horns, but what about the supposed enormous height of these individuals and the other accounts of giants found nearby? Is it thought that these skeletons, as well as accounts of living giant Sequahannocks, 
were not giants at all, but just taller than average. At the time, the average height of most Europeans was about 5 feet 6 inches tall, whereas Native Americans were thought to average around 6 feet. While 6 inches is not that big of a difference, anyone taller than 6 feet may seem like a giant to the generally shorter Europeans. Another reason for the discovery of giant skeletons is that these bones were often misidentified as human when they actually belonged to extinct animal species. It may seem far-fetched that anyone would misidentify a mammoth bone as that of a human, but other than skull, human bones actually look very much like animal bones. So to someone not trained in osteology, a very large rib bone may seem like it's from a human skeleton. Many skeletal remains have been innocently misidentified this way, not only as giants, but as monsters or titans as well. Over time, it seems this giant narrative of Native Americans by Europeans was exaggerated and coupled with misidentified animal bones resulted the discovery of giant skeletons. However, these so-called giant skeletons always seem to mysteriously disappear after being excavated leading many to believe that they never existed, were misidentified animal bones, or it was actually just a taller-than-average person. After hearing the podcast, I did some digging of my own. Moorhead's records. Just in case I could find anything related to horned giants. I found many documents related to the Susquehanna Valley Expedition, as well as correspondence between Moorhead, Skinner, and Donhu. None of these documents ever mention the horned giants or the article written in the New York Times. I did find a picture of Professor Skinner holding a perfectly normal looking skull with no protuberances while at the Moray farm. Moorhead also wrote a short report of the excavation and again, no mention of giants was found. Even though the horned giants of Pennsylvania turned out to be nothing more than a tall tale, it was fun to hear a story about Moorhead on one of on one of my new favorite podcasts. I wonder what interesting stories I'll uncover next. All right. Cool story. Another debunking. All right. Let's see. We hop over to the Smithsonian Magazine. They have a article called Graveyard of Giants found in China. Many of the 5,000-year-old skeleton measured 5'9 or longer, making the Neolithic humans exceptionally tall for that period. By Bridget Katz. Last year, archaeologists... I don't know why I can't say that word today. Began excavating a late Neolithic settlement in Jiajia, a village in China's Shandong province. They have unearthed a trove of fascinating finds there, including the ruins of 104 houses, 205 graves, and 20 sacrificial pits. But a recent discovery has taken experts by surprise. As Mark Molloy reports to The Telegraph, 
A graveyard in Jayajia was found to contain the bodies of several men who were 5'9 or taller. That might not seem like anything to write home about, but men would have been exceptionally tall for the period in which they lived. The remains, which date back to about 5,000 years ago, were buried in large tombs. One of the individuals found in the graveyard was even taller than his leggy peers, measuring approximately 6'2". This is just based on bone structure, Feng Hui, head of Shandong's University School of History and Culture, tells China Daily. If he was a living person, his height would certainly exceed 1.9 meters. Hui didn't provide specific details about the average height of the Neolithic populations living in what is modern-day China, but Malloy writes that men in the Jaijoi graveyard would have seemed like giants to the average person 5,000 years ago. In Europe, for context's sake, the average height of the Neolithic populations was about 5'5", according to publication Our World in Data. Researchers have theorized that men grew to relatively towering heights because they were high-status individuals who had access to better food than most of their contemporaries. The large tombs that housed the bodies certainly suggest that their occupants were wealthy. The theory would also explain why some of the remains, along with pottery and jade artifacts found within the tomb, appear to have been deliberately broken. The damage may have been done not long after the burials, and may be due to power struggles among high-ranking people. The people of the Shandong province consider height to be a defining attribute, though vertically speaking, the men found in the Jai Jai graveyard would still wouldn't have been in league with the Shandong's most famous son. Legend has it Confucius, a native of the region, is said to have reached a height of 9 foot 6 inches. Hmm. Interesting. Alright. Let's go to... Ancient Origins. The top 10 giant discoveries in North America. The Iroquois, the Asajj, the Tascaroras, the Hurons, the Omahas. Oh my goodness. Ads. And many other North American Indians all speak of giant men who once lived and roamed in the territories of their forefathers. All over what is now the U.S. Our traditional... Are traditions of these ancient giants. Over 1,000 accounts of seven foot and taller skeletons have been reported have been unearthed from ancient burial sites over a 200 year period in North America. Newspaper accounts, town and country histories, letters, scientific journals, diaries, photos, and the Smithsonian's ethnologically reports have carefully documented this. These skeletons have been reported from coast to coast with strange anatomic anomalies such as double rows of teeth, jawbones so large as to fit over the face of the finder, and elongated skulls, documented virtually every state. Smithsonian scientists identified at least 17 skeletons that stood at over 7 feet in their annual reports, 
including one example that was eight feet tall and a skull with a 36-inch circumference reported from Anna, Illinois in Smithsonian Annual Report of 1873. The Smithsonian Institute is mentioned dozens more times as a recipient of enormous skeletons from across the United States. The skeletons mentioned no longer seem to exist, regardless of their actual size. The remaining ones that were on display were removed and repatriated by part of that act as mentioned earlier. While the author certainly supports this law, it does present a moral and ethical conundrum in terms of trying to ascertain the proof everyone wants to see, aka physical evidence of giants. In this top unique top 10, we look at some examples of giant skeletons that were reported from across ancient North America. Although we warn you that now number one is so large, we admit it may not be authentic. Our countdown begins at one of the most important mound sites in America, and quite possibly the world. Number 10, Serpent's Mound, Ohio, 1890s, seven foot tall skeleton. The Serpent's Mound is a 1,370 foot long prehistoric effigy mound located near Peebles that has been thoroughly researched by Ross Hamilton who has written extensively about its mysteries and the giants discovered in the area. Recent radiocarbon analysis dates it to be around 321 BC. This puts it in the realm of the Adena civilization who were present in the area at this time. In the 1890s, Professor Frederick Ward Putnam excavated some of the mounds next to the Serpent Mound and found only six-foot-tall skeletons. But a postcard showing one seven feet in height was recently discovered by researcher Jeffrey Wilson. It may have been one of those excavated by Putnam, as he was the original, the only person to dig at the site. Ross first published this book, A Tradition of Giants, and it clearly states it was from Serpent Mound on the postcard, but there is still debate as to whether where this photo of a seven-foot skeleton was actually taken. Notice that the legs are cut off at the knees. So is seven-foot what we actually see? Or is it an estimation if he had lowered his legs, feel detached? Could it have been more like at eight feet tall if the shins and feet were intact? Number nine, Crescent Mound, West Virginia, 1959. Seven foot two inches skeleton. In 1959, Dr. Donald Dragu, the curator of the section of man at the Carnegie Museum, unearthed a seven feet two inch skeleton during the complete excavation of the Cressop Mound in northern West Virginia. The individual was large proportions. When measured in the tomb, his length was approximately 7.04 feet. All of the long bones were heavy. Dragu published a photo of the actual skeleton in his book, so there is no doubt it was authentic. Dragu joins many other university-trained anthropologists and archaeologists who reported discovering skeletons over 7 feet in length in burial mounds often with anatomical anomalies.
A few professionals reporting these skeletal finds were Dr. Walter Jones, Moundsville, Alabama, six foot, seven foot six, and many seven footers. Dr. Forrest Clements, head of anthropology at the University of Oklahoma, six seven foot skeletons. Dr. Donald Gazau, Cambridge University, seven foot five inch skeleton found in Pittsburgh, which many other large skeletons with anatomic anomalies reported. Dr. Byron Cummings, head of archaeological department at the University of Arizona, considered the dean of the Southwest Archaeology, several over eight footers, Thomas Wilson, curator of prehistory anthropology at the Smithsonian, verified an eight-foot skeleton with a massive jawbone, W.J. Holland, curator of the Carnegie Museum, unearthed an eight-foot skeleton in Pennsylvania, as reported in many scientific journals, including Scientific America. Number eight, Mounds in Iowa, 1897, six-foot or seven-foot, six-inch skeleton. This account from the Worthington's Advance describes the ethnological work of the Smithsonian Institute Division of Eastern Mounds and quoted the Director of Bureau of Ethnology at the time, John Wesley Powell. The image below accompanied the news report. It is a matter of official record that in digging through a mound in Iowa, the scientific found a skeleton of a giant who, judging from actual measurement, must have stood seven feet tall, six inches, when alive. The bones crumbled to dust when exposed to the air. Number seven, Steelville, Missouri, 1933, eight-foot skeleton. As part of the Search for Lost Giants show, Jim and fellow researcher James Clary investigated the following account that had this heading. An ancient Ozark giant dug up near Steelville, Strange discovery made by a boy looking for arrowheads gives this Missouri town an absorbing mystery to ponder. From the Steelville ledger, he turned up the complete skeleton of an eight-foot giant. The grizzly find was brought to Dr. R.C. Parker here and stretched out to its enormous length in a hallway in his office, where it has since remained the most startling exhibit Steelville has ever had on public view. While reading through the microfilm at the Steelville Library, three reports of the find were uncovered, including the photo that shows Les Eaton, a six-foot man, laid out next to the eight-foot skeleton. The Steelville ledger reported that the skeleton was packed up and shipped to the Smithsonian, never to be heard of again. Number six, Miamisburg, Montgomery County, Ohio. 8-foot, 1.5-inch skeleton. Miamisburg Mound is believed to have been built in the Adena culture anywhere between 1,000 to 200 BC. It is the largest conical burial mound in Ohio. Once nearly 70 feet tall, the height of a seven-story building, and 877 feet in circumference, Hugh investigated this site in September of 2012, and after taking after talking to some researchers at the local historical society, he found that there were other skeletal remains reported in nearby areas. Numerous skeletal remains were uncovered from the mound, including a giant jawbone and bones of unusual size, 
but it was the discovery at half a mile away that became a national sensation and was reported in the Midtown Signal, January 17, 1899, with the headline, Bones of Prehistoric Giant Found Near Miamisburg. It said, The skeleton of a giant found near Miamisburg is the cause of much discussion, not only among curious and illiterate, but among the learned scientists of the world. The body of a man was more gigantic than any ever recorded in human history, and is found in the Miami Valley in Ohio. The skeleton is calculated must have belonged to a man 8 feet 1.5 inches in height. Professor Thomas Wilson, a curator of historic anthropology at the Smithsonian Institute, said the following after examining the find. The authenticity of the school is beyond any doubt, its antiquity unquestionably great. To my own personal knowledge, several such crania were discovered in the Hopewell group of mounds in Ohio. The jaws were prognathous, projecting beyond the face, and facial index remarkably low. Number 5. The San Diego Giant 1895, 8-foot, 4-inch Measurement well authenticated, other big men and women a fact, fable who are famous types of giantism. When accurately measured, it turned out to be 8 foot 4 inches and was carefully inspected and measured by Professor Thomas Wilson, curator of the Department of Prehistory Anthropology in the Smithsonian Institute and other scientists. Thirteen years later, in 1908, when the mummy was being exhibited, the Smithsonian ran some tests and suddenly dismissed it as a hoax, saying that it was made from gelatin. The fact that it took that long after spending $500 to acquire it, plus the fact that it was carefully inspected by experts 13 years earlier, does suggest there may be more to this story than meets the eye. Interestingly, somebody joined the Smithsonian in 1903, right in between the discovery and the final debunking. He was not interested in giants and made the concerted effort to eradicate them from the historical record. It is also interesting to note that the director of prehistoric anthropology, Thomas Wilson, and the ethnologist in charge, W.J. McGee, were both involved in the story and were obviously keen to make sure the Smithsonian got it back to their headquarters at an immense cost. $500 in 1895 equates to $14,285 today. But why would they bother doing that if it was a simple sideshow hoax? The strange twist, the Smithsonian's involvement, and the immense amount of money spent makes this worthy of inclusion in this top 10. A similar mummified giant also turned up in the Spiral Mounds, Oklahoma, it measured 8 foot 5 inches and was on display for a few months, where it was seen by several people before it disappeared. Number 4. Catalina Island, California. 9 foot 2 inch skeleton. The Channel Islands off the coast of California have turned up numerous oversized skeletons. 
The story is intriguing and controversial, and it stars amateur archaeologist Ralph Glidden and his bizarre museum. But before the main act, a German naturalist got the story going in 1913. Dr. A.W. Furstenen reported unearthing an eight-foot-tall skeleton with artifacts such as mortal, pestles, and arrowheads in Catalina. He was told of a legend while in Mexico of a giant and noble race that lived on the island who existed long before the white man and has since vanished. Amateur archaeologist Ralph Gilden, Glennon unearthed and collected a total of 3,781 skeletons on the Channel Islands between 1919 and 1930. Working for the High Foundation of New York, he unearthed nine-foot, two-inch skeleton and several measuring over seven feet. A skeleton of a young girl, evidently of high rank, with a large funeral urn, was surrounded by those 64 children, and in various parts of the island, more than 3,000 other skeletons were found, practically all the males averaging above 7 foot in height, one being 7 feet 8 inches, from the top of his head to the ankle, another being 9 feet 2 inches tall. As part of the search for lost giants, Jim and Bill Vieira visited Catalina to investigate the contents of the box, and indeed there were photos of hundreds of skeletons and skulls, excavations, artifacts, and burials. They also uncovered an account of a 28-inch femur unearthed by Glidden on San Nicolas Island, reported by the judge of Avalon, Ernest Wendell. This would make the skeleton over 8 feet tall. Number three, Beaver Lake, Ozark Caves, Arkansas, 1913. Nearly a 10-foot skeleton and huge skulls. During the filming of Search for Lost Giants, the site of the cave was investigated. It had been flooded with the damming and creation of Beaver Lake between 1960 and 1966. Bill Vieira and Professor Scuba Diver, Professional Scuba Diver, Mike Young dived into the lake and found huge shelter cave believed to be the site of burial skeletal finds. While a 70-foot stone wall was found at the entrance of the cave, showing likely human habitation, no more clues were forthcoming. Text from the original article reads as follows. While the historical features of the Ozarks held our attention, by far the most fascinating discovery was one made by an aged recluse and naturalist who for 10 years, had lived in a shelter cave near where we camped. Dad Riggins spent much of his time digging in the ashes, which formed the floor of many of these caves. At a depth of more than three feet, he found the remains of several giant human skeletons, including the most almost perfect skull, which differed in many particulars from modern specimen. When partly joined, the largest skull was almost 10 feet tall, Dad Riggins showed us hieroglyphs covered the palisades through thought to be thousands of years old. Number two, Lompoc Rancho, California, 1819, 12-foot skeleton. In 1819, an old lady saw a gigantic skeleton dug up by the soldiers at Purisima on Lamp Rock Rancho. 
The natives deemed it a god, and it was reburied by direction of the Padre. This short report reemerged with a broader range of details in 1833, and now various authors and websites repeat the same story. It goes something like this. Soldiers digging a pit for a powder magazine at Lamprock Rancho, California, hacked their way through a layer of cemented gravel and found a 12-foot sarcophagus. The skeleton of a giant man about 12 feet tall was found inside. The grave was surrounded by carved shells, huge stone axes, two spears, thin sheets of porphyr, purple mineral with quartz, covering the skeleton. These were covered with unintelligible symbols. He had a double row of teeth, both upper and lower. The soldiers consulted the local tribe of Indians, who after going into trance exclaimed they were geographically displaced Allegheny Indians of the Ohio Valley area. When the natives began to attach some religious significance to the find, authorities ordered the skeleton and all the artifacts secretly reburied. No further information is available, so it's impossible to verify this information. But numerous other skeletons of this height have been reported in such newspapers as the New York Times. Two further 12-foot examples were reported in Jeffersonville, Kentucky, the New York Times, Bannard, Missouri, the Providence Evening Press. Furthermore, a 13-foot example is said to have been unearthed in Janesville, Wisconsin, the public ledger and even bones that were estimated to be from a skeleton 14 foot tall at the Etawa Mounds, the New York Times again. These are all well out of the normal range for humans, but are worth noting here that these immense sizes pop up again and again in well-respected newspapers. Number one, West Hickory, Pennsylvania, 1870, an 18-foot skeleton. The headline of this chart topper reads, The Cardiff Giant Outdone, Allegedly Discovery of a Giant in the Oil Regions. This report originally came from the Oil City Times in 1870, and underneath the immense armor, it revealed some startling anatomic oddities, and a skeleton that reached a staggering height, the, the tallest example we have come across. They exhumed an enormous helmet of iron, which was corroded with rust. Further digging brought to light a sword which measured nine feet in length. The report continued that they had discovered a well-preserved skeleton of enormous giant. The bones of the giant are remarkably white. The teeth are all in their places, and all of them are double and extraordinary in size. It is estimated to be 18 feet tall and the bones have been prepared to be sent to New York. Clearly, however, this could be an exaggeration, as 18 foot is unheard of in historical record, but the matter-of-fact description is intriguing. Interestingly, the discovery was reported to be buried 12 feet below a mound, so it could suggest a deep antiquity, however tall he was. We hope this tiny selection of accounts leaves one realizing there may be some truth to these reports. Although numbers 9 and 10 cannot be verified, they are well beyond the established scope of human height. We do not believe they are all authentic, 
but what you have read here constitutes only 1% of what we have in our archive. We include 250 of these accounts in our book, Giants on Record, American Hidden History, Secrets in the Mounds and Smithsonian Files. The genesis of the North American giants is shrouded in mystery, but we believe they were involved in sophisticated mound-building cultures of the Midwest, as royal tombs with the reported enormous skeletons were often found within them. There are many native legends that place them in the era of the megafauna, mammoths, mastodons, saber-toothed tigers, etc., at around 13,000 years ago. There are dozens of oral histories that reverse them as gods, or revere them as gods, and some as fearsome cannibalistic warriors. Great wars were said to have taken place between these titans, and prehistoric battles with oversized bones and weapons were frequently reported by early colonial farmers. Eyewitness accounts of live giants were reported by English and Spanish explorers, even some of the early presidents. Mystics such as Edgar Case, Rudolf Steiner, Madame Blavatsky, as well as Freemasons, all regard giants as a reality. The origins of the North American giants are hotly debated in independent researchers, academics, and skeptics, but there is now enough data to begin serious research into the subject. We cover all the theories of the origins in our new book, ranging from the Denisovans to the Nephilim of the Bible. There are also compelling evidence that the giants may have originated within the Americas. Hundreds of Native American creation myths and oral histories attest to this, with the giants being mentioned in the stories from remote times. One example can be found in the writings of the Tuscora Indian, David Cusick, in his book, Six Nations, written 1825, he states that when the great spirit made people, some of them became giants. However, most people don't believe in giants, but rather scoff at the idea, saying it's all just folklore and we, that got mixed up and sensationalized by newspaper journalists. We disagree, as there is ample evidence within Native American mythology genetic data, ethnological studies, scientific reports, early excavation records, first-hand accounts, and discoveries featured in newspapers and town history books to suggest otherwise. Now is the time for academia to take a look at this data and to investigate what really happened to the Smithsonian as an important chapter in human history is on the verge of being lost forever. All right, very cool. Very cool information. Let's take a break. All right, now we hear about a cryptid. The mythical Kandahar giant, the biblical cryptid allegedly killed by U.S. Special Forces in Afghanistan by Bernadette Giacomazzo. All right. This was published this year. All right. In 2002, an elite tactical team was said to have killed the Kandahar giant, 
a 13 tall beast with flaming red hair, six fingers on each hand, and two sets of teeth. In August 2016, a YouTuber posted a lengthy interview with a military contractor identified only as Mr. K. In the interview, Mr. K claimed to have been present during the brutal slaughter of a killer he called the Kandahar Giant. The killing of the giant, he said, took place during the height of Operation Enduring Freedom in 2002, when the military was engaged in fierce battles with the Taliban in their de facto capital of Kandahar province during the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan. But this was no human fighter. The Kandahar giant, Mr. K said, was 13 feet tall with fiery red hair, six fingers, and two sets of teeth. It even killed one of the Special Forces soldiers with a spear before the rest of the unit brought it down within 30 seconds of sustained gunfire. And after they radioed it in, the army took away its corpse and has hidden it ever since. The Legend of the Kandahar Giant in 2002, a group of soldiers went missing while on patrol in a remote mountain region of Kandahar in south of Afghanistan. And when they failed to make radio contact for some time, the military sent in a special ops unit to investigate. Though the branch of the armed forces they belonged to was never confirmed. Then, high up in the mountains, the unit came across a cave that scattered army equipment around, but no signs of the missing soldiers. And that's when they chanced upon the Kandahar giant. Though the tale grows with the telling, with some reports suggesting that the humanoid grew as tall as 15 feet, this redhead giants with six digits, leather moccasins, and smelling like dead bodies suddenly emerged from the cave and impaled one of the soldiers with a spear. And that's when the soldiers opened fire, ultimately felling the giant with 30 seconds of continuous fire. Between them, the squad was armed with full-auto M4 carbines, recon carbines, semi-automatic, and M107 Barrett anti-material rifles firing .50 BMG, reads one report. This much firepower concentrated on one target for one second, let alone 30, would be extremely destructive. After the troops killed the giant, they loaded it into a Chinook helicopter, which carried it to a transport plane where no one ever saw it again. The soldiers were forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement so the government could keep them all quiet. But eventually, the soldiers broke their silence because, as one of the men would later say, the people have a right to know the truth. How the government's denial feud more conspiracy theories. In August 2016, Snopes reached out to the Department of Defense about the Kandahar Giant incident. The Department of Defense told the outlet, in no uncertain terms, that they had no record or information about a Special Forces member killed by a giant in Kandahar. What's more, there's no press release on the Department of Defense's website involving either a Special Forces troop disappearing in Afghanistan or any incident involving soldiers felling a giant. Of course, as with any good conspiracy, this lack of evidence isn't sufficient proof that the myth of Kandahar Giant doesn't exist. In fact, Snopes' debunking of the legend has had quite the opposite effect in certain cryptid spaces, 
which claim that the government is trying to hide the truth from the public. Around the same time that Snopes' article came out that discredited the story, self-proclaimed supernaturalist L.A. Marzulli told several right-wing websites that the United States government was covering up this spectacular story and that those in power had a vested interest in keeping the truth of biblical prophecies from being exposed to the general public. People have a right to know about this stuff. If there are 15 or 18 footers roaming the earth and our military has brought them down, we have a right as American citizens to know about it, he said. I mean, this isn't classified military stuff. This is something we need to know, and it points back to the biblical prophetic narrative. The Biblical Origins Behind the Myth of Kandahar Giant The real story of the Kandahar Giant is a lot less interesting than the myth. In 2016, L.A. Marzulli, whose YouTube channel is dedicated to tying current events to biblical prophecies, brought the story roaring back to life, thanks to the power of the internet. In a now-deleted video, first posted on August 16, 2016, Marzulli interviewed Mr. K, a man purporting to be a soldier who had witnessed the giant of Kandahar. Mr. K claimed he saw the giant carrying a spear and murdering United States soldiers named Dan before he and other special forces took it down. According to Marzulli, the creature was a Nephilim, a group of people mentioned in Genesis, and Numbers, books of the Old Testament, who were said to be people of unusually large size and strength that could be found in the Middle East both before and after the flood of Noah's Ark. But biblical scholars largely agree that the Nephilim tales were metaphors and not based on the reality of a 13-foot giant living in the desert. What's more, the only Dan that died in Kandahar around that time of this alleged incident in 2002 was Sergeant First Class Daniel A. Romero, who was killed in a bomb blast alongside three other soldiers. But even with the evidence stacked against it, the myth of Kandahar Giant is still said to be an open secret among soldiers who served in Kandahar in 2002. And several veterans who have served in the region have said that from that point on, they were instructed to point their weapons high by aiming for the head and then a little higher. All right. So if you're as confused as I am, <laughs> join the club because most of the articles are debunking the existence of giants while other articles are stating that there is newspaper evidence and all of this evidence for them but i think my favorite story would probably be the cryptid one from the giant of kandahar that would be my favorite but you know if there were giants it would make a whole lot more sense how the pyramids got built or how the giants on Easter Island came to be. All of that kind of stuff. But I digress. I don't really know. <laughs> and none of this research has made me come to a conclusive answer. So, <laughs> thank you for being with me today and hearing all of these tales of giants and so-called giants. And join us on our Facebook page, Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. It's a great way to connect with me and find out about how to submit your stories.
With that being said, thank you for being with me today and stay spooky, my friends.